This is Footy Time with Daniel Andrews, and as has become customary, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raptopoulos. How's it going, Johnny? Hey, Dan. Happy New Year. Um, we're back. We're back. Happy New Year. Plenty has changed, obviously. Some crazy things happening in the world. COVID isn't quite as much of a problem now, but we've got war in Ukraine and the passing of Shane Warne. So, yeah, obviously we're here to talk about footy, but it's hard not to mention a couple of these things. Oh, it's shaken the sporting world as a whole, hasn't it? And, and yeah, look, very tragic news over the weekend. Absolutely. So, obviously, everyone would want uh, an end to the war as well as soon as possible, but that doesn't really seem like it's on the horizon. And, yeah, to be talking about war in 2022, it gets pretty scary with, you know, nuclear weapons being what they are these days. And, yeah, anyway, we're here to talk about footy. So, let's jump into what we're doing today, eh? <laughs> Yes, let's go for it. All right, so basically we wanted to give each team a bit of airtime. The premise of this conversation really is just one question. How would you feel going into this season if you were barracking for these teams? So we'll talk around this a little bit and there'll be a few other things added in, but that's the crux of it. So as is also customary with footy time, we're doing things slightly differently. So we're not going from Adelaide all the way down to the Western Bulldogs. I've come up with a uh, randomly generated order here for us to work through. So it actually starts with Port Adelaide. So we'll go to Port first. So Johnny, if you're a Port supporter, how do you be feeling going into 2022? Yeah, well, look, right off the bat, this is probably one of the hardest to gauge. Um, yeah, I think that uh, on on paper, you'd be feeling very excited, but... Uh, you know, it has to be one of the most talented lists going around with, you know, good mix of experience and youth. But, yeah, um, on the flip side, that prelim loss, they, they do stick with you a bit. So, as a fan, I would, I'd be mixed. I'd be thinking that maybe this could be the year, but also how is that going to affect them? Yeah. When you have such a poor performance in the finals and preliminary final, especially, I guess, or a grand final, I think that does stick with you a bit. And, uh you know, they're probably going to do what they normally do. They're going to be really good at beating up at, on the poorer sides and that almost guarantees they'll finish in the eight. But uh, yeah, I think for a lot of their supporters, until they actually have a couple of good wins in the finals, they're not really going to be uh, believing in this team, at least some of the more steel-nosed supporters maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. So any notable inclusions or people leaving over the off-season for Port? I think the big inclusion is Jeremy Finlayson from GWS gives uh, Charlie Dixon, you know, that foil, I guess, up front. It, you know, that definitely helps, and you don't know how much longer Dixon's got. They've got Trent Dumont from North, I guess, that, you know, bolsters their depth a little bit. But um, And they lost Hamish Hartlett, who was delisted, uh, and Tommy Rotcliffe retired, Peter Adams to Sydney. So the list is pretty much the same, um, and there's no reason why they can't go for another tilt at it. But um, I think there's a few key players like Zach Butters who they would really like to stay healthy and that could be a bit of a, a barometer for their chances as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think we identified in the prelim loss when we were reviewing that that perhaps it was a bit of the intent and, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, just the strength of numbers through that midfield when it's not Wines and Boak, then, you know, who's going to step up? So I suppose, mm. do you still see that as their big sort of question mark going into the season? Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I mean, 
there's definitely a great core there. And you've obviously got the Rosies and the Dersmers and, and Butters, of course. But uh, it does seem like those two are leading the way there. And yeah, uh, this is a little bit of a transition there. I think that can definitely happen, but uh, it is one of the questions for Port, yeah. What about Ken Hinckley? Like, is he going to be under even more pressure if they, you know, can't find a way to at least make the grand final this year? Is he on the hot seat? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a very good question. I think that he's in, he's definitely in that sort of Chris Scott category at the moment, I think, only because their list is, is right there. And really, let's be honest, it was kind of all set for them. It was all laid out for them to make the grand final at least last year. They were really one of the only teams that had a home final, apart from maybe one of the Brisbane ones, I think. But, um, yeah, like, I think there is a bit of pressure. I think that uh, the natives might be getting restless there and, yeah, they want to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'd still be expecting Port to be challenging for top four with uh, their form against the sort of also-rans and middle-of-the-pack teams. But I suppose the real test for them, as it has been for the last year or so, as we've talked about them, is just how they're going to perform against the better teams. And I think they do have an early game against Melbourne over at uh, Adelaide Oval. So that'll be Mm. one to have a look at how both teams are performing early on in the season. Yeah. I also think top four, um, providing a lot of those guys can stay healthy. uh, Yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't make top four, really. Awesome. Well, our next team that we're going to have a look at is the Greater Western Sydney Giants. And I've heard a bit of coverage in the media about them. Some people are pretty bullish on them. Some others think they're going to slide. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag here for GWS. But uh, how would you be feeling if you were a Giants supporter here, Johnny? Yeah, another interesting one. Um, so, yeah, the key key ins for GWS this year, Lee Lear at pick 15, Finn Canallahan pick three. Lost Finlayson, obviously, to Port. Shane Mumford's retired. Um, they're building a good mix of youth and experience. And as a fan, I would be very encouraged by the guys like Tom Green, uh, Riccardi, Perryman, those guys. But I do think the injuries, they need a very good run with injuries. You know, can Jesse Hogan stay on the park for at least, I don't know, 18 games? Um, that could be a bit inconsistent with some of those youngsters. There's, there's still a probably youth-heavy side to their to their list um as a fan i would probably be expecting a finals appearance but uh maybe not quite enough there to make a a full-on top four tilt i really don't know what it is with gws they always seem to get a bad run with injuries Mm, yeah yeah. so they just never really get a full crack at it like uh you know whitfield was out most of last year and they're always losing one or two of the Decent players every second yeah. week, it seems. So, I don't know. Can you just put that down to bad luck? Or, like, is there more to it than that? I guess we saw with Melbourne, with Darren mm. Burgess, like, they sort of changed the way they were approaching injuries. And even if people were a bit sore, then they were actually, you know, working through it and making sure they could get back on the park a bit quicker. So, I don't know. Like, these teams that are just chronically getting so many injuries, there must be more to it than just, oh, it's a bad run. I think when you look at the certain types of injuries that happen and if they're recurring injuries and if it's a big list of injuries, I, I never feel like it's just bad luck. I do feel like there's a little bit of mismanagement, maybe, uh, you know, poor preparation, I guess. Um, so you have to ask those questions. And we did with Melbourne a few years ago. Absolutely. It, 
it couldn't have just been bad luck with all those ones, those soft tissue injuries and that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's definitely a question mark over those over the the uh, the medical side, I guess, or the health side. Apparently, Cornelio is looking a lot better though. So he's really struggled the past two years, and he's also relinquished the captaincy. So that could be a big. Uh, boost for them through the midfield and they've still got a very good midfield if they can keep their guys on the park so yeah I guess I'm pretty optimistic about GWS although they don't have Toby Green for the first six weeks I think because of that suspension mm. <laughs> but yeah uh, big out yeah I think they can they can do a fair bit like they've got a lot of good young guys uh I guess the forward lines probably with like like most teams it'll come down to the forward line how well, is that functioning? How much can they actually score, especially with Toby Green not there? Yeah, and that's the question. Are we going to be watching a lot of GWS games where you you know, you know, feel like Green's the only one that can score? Like it, it is going to come down to whether they can kick a winning score. The midfield, as you said, is really building nicely, and it's not a midfield I'd want to be facing, especially early on. So that's the question, I think, yeah. All right. Our next team on the list is the Richmond Tigers. So I think a lot of people have identified Richmond as one of the most interesting teams coming into 2022. They kind of never really got going in 2021, trying to defend their premiership. And no one really wanted to write them off. But I think in the second half of the season, they'd lost a number of games in the row. And yeah, they still right up to the last round. I think they still could have actually made the finals or maybe it was the second last round. But yeah, they really didn't win too many games in the second half of the season. So I guess quite a few people are expecting a bounce back. But Johnny, if you were going for Richmond, what would your mentality be going into this season? Well, just on that, I think a lot of people were expecting the Tigers to run the table in that second part of the season as well and probably their fans as well. So um, yeah, as you said, Probably the most intriguing team of 2022. Uh, the Inns, well, they brought in Robbie Tarrant from North to, I guess, he'd be the natural replacement for Asprey. Um, they lost Marbury Scholl to the Gold Coast and Callum Coleman-Jones to North. Yeah, it's a bit but of yeah, a problem a- for them, I think, like losing both of those guys. They're kind of their, you know, up-and-coming bigs in a way. I know they've still got Bolter, yeah. but, you know, Rewalt and... Um, these sort of guys aren't really getting any younger. So and uh, Tom Lynch as well. So, like, could they really afford to lose these guys? I know they probably didn't want to, but do you reckon this could hurt them? It possibly could. I mean, the the yeah, it's it's a tough one. The, the question is, does Robbie Tarrant make up for the loss of someone like Asprey? Or yeah, um, they I. Can't remember if it was Gibkiss or the other one they drafted. They have drafted another tall defender. I think it was Gibkiss, yeah. It is Gibkiss, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you wonder how is he ready to go? You know, you never know. Most likely not straight away, but mm, can happen. But the, yeah, it is a it's a big question. Um Yeah. Bolter's the big one though. I think he's he's key. I mean he he needs to stay on the park. I really think that it hurt them a lot when he was missing last year and yeah, I think they really need to keep that back six nice and healthy. So as a Richmond supporter, would you be expecting to make finals this year or at least hoping to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Um, I think there's definitely enough players there still in their prime. You know, they, they really should be back for more finals footy. Um, I guess now they've had time to adapt to the stand rule. It didn't come in at a good time for the Tigers. 
But uh, kind of like the anti-Richmond rule, almost. <laughs> <laughs> almost, but um, you know, they've proven that they're really good uh, with turnovers and things like that. That's perfected that part of the game. That's going to hold them in good stead. I don't see why they can't make the finals again. How well will Dusty bounce back? That's another question. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's enough there to be back. Can't remember the exact guys, but it looked like they'd sort of reinvigorated their forward line a little bit. I know Shane Edwards was spending a bit more time through there in the practice game, and I think maybe one other. One thing that was interesting for Richmond about me last year was sort of the drop-off in output of their better or more seasoned players. And, yeah, I guess just trying to work out what to put that down to, whether it was just, you know, accumulation of uh, so many long campaigns through the previous years or, you know, were they really just falling off the cliff a little bit? Or was it really just, it reached that tipping point where they had so many injuries that it just got a bit too difficult and, yeah, it was harder for those guys to actually look like the really good players that they are? There's a good case to be made for either side, I guess, but uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now. I, I think there's still enough there. They might take a slight step back, but I think they can easily challenge for a final spot. Yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting one. Let's keep going. Next, we've got the Gold Coast Suns. So if you were one of their 5,000 supporters, Johnny, <laughs> how would you be feeling about this year? Uh, I've heard some very, very fair critiques of the Suns over this uh, over this preseason and full credit to those people looking for positives. I think that's awesome. But I'm not as optimistic, uh, not even as close to being as optimistic. Um some of these ins. Look, they brought in Levo Casbolt, Marbia Scholl, Charlie Constable from the Cats, uh, you know, serviceable. But some of the losses are interesting. Will Brody to Fremantle. Hugh Greenwood's the big one to North. I still don't understand how that happened. Uh, Jared Har- Harborough retired. Zach Smith, uh, Jacob Townsend, premiership player. I mean, not all world beaters, but, you know, experience. And I feel like, again, now we've got a Gold Coast list that's sort of in very youth-loaded rather than experience. And, you know, it all, it's always felt like that as well for the for the Suns. And no, I'm not feeling optimistic <laughs> as a fan at all, really. I mean, Ben King would have given you some hope. Absolutely. That's the kind of player you need to hang on to as a, a fan of a, you know, a fl- fledging club like this. And yeah, I mean, that's a big one. That's a very, very big one. So not only this year, I'm worried about the seasons to come. As a fan, I mean, you've got guys like King, Lacocious, Ainsworth out of contract. How, what do they need to show this year to keep those guys, convince those guys that, that this is the place to be? I and mean, it's just not a good situation. You got, I'm pretty sure not only is Stuart due under pressure, but this is the last year of his contract, I think, as well. So, yeah, um, and, you know, there's a, a situation brewing there, I guess, with a certain premiership coach. <laughs> so... Yeah, I feel it just feels like a transition year. I know it's not what you'd want to hear if you were a fan of the Suns, but it it doesn't. It just it just smacks a wooden spooner. I'm sorry, it just does. <laughs> <laughs> they had a good performance against Port in that preseason game. I know preseason doesn't mean much, but they were moving the ball quickly. Yep. They could score. Yep, I know yep. it's a they lot. Can see what they want to do. It's a lot harder in the actual season. They usually do start seasons relatively well, but they just never seem to really get any older. Like you're saying, they're like. It's really hard for them to hold on to their more experienced players. And, you know, Ben King's done his knee now. He'll be out of contract. And a lot of Victorian teams will be 
trying to prize him out of there and I'm sure he'll get some good offers. So it's just this perpetual problem of how do you actually establish a football team where it's just not working. Like I think GWS had a completely different strategy really. They Mm. brought in a lot of older guys and then, you know, helped the younger guys develop into that core. Whereas when GWS did it, they got sort of those higher profile, uh, you know, more mature guys, and they became the core of the team, but they weren't going to be around us for as long. So it's just Gold Coast is sort of stuck in between, as you were saying there, where especially since Ablett left, where they just never seem to be able to break out of the mould of that they've created for themselves almost. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they're one of those... Um, like a feeder club almost like a, <laughs> a, like in college football college yeah. basketball in america or in in soccer you know the famous clubs that are known for producing talent like ix amsterdam it just seems like they're one of those clubs and that's not at all what they want to be i mean i will say one thing the midfield isn't bad i mean you know obviously got took miller leading it you hope someone like maddie real can get a clear run at it because you know we we've seen i think we've seen enough to know that he's capable of a lot um Anderson, obviously, as well. It's not bad. I just don't see him kicking a winning score, especially without King. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to make things a lot harder. And, uh, yeah, anything less than a 10-win season, Jew's probably going to come under huge scrutiny after being there for four or five years and uh, Clarkson waiting in the wings, although Mm. I'm not sure whether he'd actually go up there. They'd pay him a lot, obviously. But, uh, yeah, yeah, big watch this space with with, uh, Gold Coast there. All right, another one of the teams that's got a lot of airtime in this preseason. We'll move on to Essendon. So, obviously making the finals last year, going down uh, to the Western Bulldogs, although they were in that game for quite a while before the rain came in particular. How would an Essendon fan be feeling in 2022 at this stage, Johnny? Uh, If I was an Essendon fan, I'd be absolutely sick and tired of the narrative that they haven't won a final for (laughs) 17 years. So... That's that. That's now starting to grate a lot. Uh, if I was a fan, and you know, you obviously want that to end. I mean, it's a, it's such a, it's a weird sort of record to be talking about because you know, you you can only you don't make the finals half the time, really. <laughs> when you look at the, the you know probabilities of things, I mean, you know, Melbourne didn't make the finals for twelve years, I think. So it's just a, it's a strange record. I mean, it, but. Um, you know, it's there, obviously, and especially a club like Essendon, you'd expect to be winning more finals. But um, I'd be feeling quite good about the, the core group coming through. Uh, obviously, you know, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, Harrison Jones, I think they'll grow into their game a lot more. Uh, Jake Stringer is obviously one guy that you want to have if you're playing a finals game. He's just one of those players. Um, I'd be wondering if Parrish can keep that level. He was really playing lights out football last year. And, you know, obviously he, that kind of player can keep the level quite well if they're just, you know, a natural ball extractor, I guess. But uh, you, you wonder if he'll get a lot more attention. Um, and the But the, the weakness, one big weakness is obviously the key forward depth. Uh, I just don't see how they can rely on Peter Wright week after week to kick a winning score. Um, when is... Tip and Woody coming back, who not sure at this stage. I mean, yeah, that's he's always been a big source of goals. So I'd be I'd be feeling confident, but I think that this 
this forward issue could set them back a little bit. It could cost them, you know, a couple of spots. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. the midfield was definitely the obvious strength. And if they can keep Draper out there and, uh, yes. you know, getting some first use, that'll help. And the back line is solid. I think they did leak scores at times, but the back line's definitely uh, developing well. They've got some interesting guys down there. Mm. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess anyone who's saying, you know, Essendon's going to significantly improve this year, you could easily point to that forward line and say, you know, where are the goals coming from, basically, yeah. without Tip and Woody there, at least for the start of the season. And who knows when he's come back, coming back, as you said. And they've lost uh, Hooker now, who used to yeah. chip in up forward there as one of the tall forwards. They've got a lot of young guys up there now, and obviously Peter Wright as well, but, you know... Is Jones he, could be nice for that, but he's I don't think he's quite ready for it. Yeah. So I think they're gonna be relying on a lot of midfield goals and those sort of just spot up kick goals mm. rather than being able to, you know, have too many guys that are winning lots of contests, which is a pretty hard way to exist in the AFL. So I'm sure they'll win their fair share of games and they may scrape into the eight again. But yeah, I guess to be really challenging for that top four probably need a bit more of a dangerous forward structure, I would say. Yeah, look, some of the key ins, Jake Kelly from Adelaide is a good get. Uh, ben Hobbs is their number one pick at number 13. Tex Wanganeen, father-son, but they did lose Patrick Ambrose, Marty Gleeson, Kyle Hooker, David Zaharakis. So a little bit of experience went out, but um, yeah, I totally agree. It does come down to scoring power. Backline's nice, really big fan of Jordan Ridley. I think he's going to be one of those next sort of interceptors um but yeah it's all about the forward line really so i have heard a few people talking about the fact that being able to score a decent amount is almost a point of difference in the afl now everyone was so focused on defense for the last couple of years and there weren't actually that many teams that could score freely so i suppose teams will be looking to try and add that back into their games and uh yeah it's always the biggest challenge. We talked about it a lot last year. Teams can have, you know, really good runs of play, but if you're not able to finish it off with some good finishing or some effectiveness inside 50, then uh, it all comes up short ultimately a lot of the time. I think so. I think it's going to be more of a focus towards the the forward end of the field. And yeah, I mean, you do have to score to win. (laughs) Funny that, yeah. All right, next team, number six on our list is the Freo Dockers. So uh, had a pretty good season last year, finishing just outside the eight. They would have actually made the eight if they'd beaten St Kilda down in Tassie, but ended up getting Mm. smashed in that game. So how would you feel as a Freo supporter coming into the season here, Johnny? I'd feel pretty positive. I think they're really impressed with the way they've built this list in the last yeah, two or so years. I think Justin Longmuir has really done a fantastic job. It's almost a the textbook way you would you would come in and and work with a list a young list like this. Um, the key ins: Will Brody from G from Gold Coast, Jordan Clark from Geelong could help out. They did lose Adam Shearer, a, a big loss, and Reese Conk has been delisted. But you know, I think that they've definitely got a great core there with Sarong, Young, Henry, Brayshaw, Cox. It's a good nucleus there, and I, I would feel very confident about the, the Dockers' chances. Uh, I guess you wonder if they can score enough <laughs> again on that issue, but uh, yeah, I think that they're definitely they're building something good there. 
I think Jordan Clark would be really good for them, that bit of speed. I'm not quite sure whether Geelong were using him in his optimum way, so maybe he'll get a bit more of a run off that half-back line in the way he can sort of play with his speed back there. So that'd be an interesting one to have a look at. Mm. And uh, yeah, Chera, a bit of a loss for sure, but uh, you know they've still got a pretty solid midfield and other guys yeah, coming up like Sarong. And obviously Brayshaw is... Uh, sort of that more seasoned player now, although he still hasn't been around that long. But uh, yeah, with a lot of these teams around the middle of the ladder from last year, the question does come back to the forward line, how much are they going to be able to score? And uh, with Frio, sometimes it's a question of accuracy as well. But uh, they do have some quite good small forwards, I think, as well. So they do have an interesting mix to try and uh, extract a couple more wins to make the eight this year. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to like about them. And I guess going into the season, they're probably the uh, WA team that's looking better out of them and West Coast, which you probably haven't been able to say that for a while either. I totally agree. (laughs) So that's the next team on the list, funnily enough. The West Coast Eagles, uh, obviously, they've got quite a few injuries coming into the season, got more in the practice game. How would you be feeling if you're a West Coast fan? Yeah, it's... (laughs) This is tough. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about West Coast as well and the preseason that they're having, the injuries that have happened on the track. And not just that, but obviously where Adam Simpson and his game plan, I guess, sits. Is this the one that's going to take him forward? Uh, not just his game plan, but his philosophy, you know, is does he need to evolve? Does he need to be a coach that is a bit more flexible during the games, move the magnets a bit more? We know that he's not that kind of coach, but... Uh, yeah, like the game does seem to be passing that Weagles web thing by a little bit. Um, who knows what the future holds, but there's just there's a lot of questions with West Coast. Uh, there's enough talent there. There's definitely enough talent there. They, the only real key in they have is Sam Prosecchi-Seaton from Carlton. They did lose Brandon Archie, Jared Branza to the Giants, and Brad Shepard retired. Um, but, yeah, it's... I don't know. There's still a team that you don't like to to sleep on totally. Um, Nick Nat will always give you a chance if he stays healthy. But um, if he isn't healthy, can uh, Williams or Allen hold that ruck down, that ruck position down? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big question because I don't know. I'd hate to be cynical, but it does kind of seem like Nick Nat will break down at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't have him in the eight this year. But you never know. Yeah, I guess it's just the fingers almost hovering over that reset switch. And as a fan, I think I'd almost want them to push it. (laughs) Like, they've really had these sort of stop-start years over the last two or three years. Like, if it was going to happen, you would have thought it would have already happened. And just with these injuries mounting, I think it's just time to, you know, realise that the core of this group isn't going to be the next core group that's going to, Get them mm. back into the top four. Yeah, look, and it may just need a slight retool, but yeah, it's it's just uh, yeah, they're 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 off the pace at the moment, um, on and off the field compared to some of the other big teams at the moment. So, what would you want them to be doing? Like, if if you were sort of more invested in what the Eagles were doing, would you be encouraging them to, you know? play more of the kids on their list straight away? Or do you think you still just have to try and um, see where the year's going to take you before you go to that strategy? 
I felt that way last year with West Coast. <laughs> I thought that, you know, go to the well again, yeah. see where the year takes you. I, I don't know. If I was an Eagles fan, I'd be starting to get a little bit sick of that approach. And look, I don't I don't think they need a total rebuild, but I definitely think they need to step back to go forward. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would I would look obviously if if they start really well, then you you know, changes everything. But I do think that they need to sort of they need to start thinking about the future. They need to blood a few of the new guys. They need to see what they can do, really. Yeah, yeah. I agree. The core of that side when they won the premiership in 2018, they're they're aging <laughs> or yep. they're just not able to get on the park. So yeah. And even in 2018 when they won the grand final, looking back at it, like you'd have to say it was maybe a slight aberration just for the fact that, you know, Richmond wasn't there. They'd been knocked out by Collingwood and, uh, you know, Collingwood could have won that grand final as well. So by no means were yep. West Coast a dominant team that year anyway. No, no. A very good side, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's now, it's going to be four years now since that. So I think it is, it's time to at least have a think about these things and, um, you know, it could be any one of those things. It could be rebuilding or retooling with some, some youth. It could be a tweak to the game plan or it could be something else entirely. Watch your space again yeah. with West Coast. Lots of yep. uh, change on the horizon there, perhaps, or maybe none at all. <laughs> <laughs> Wait all right. and see. Let's keep going. Collingwood's our next team. So, obviously, getting uh, Craig McRae installed to replace Buckley in the offseason. They've still got a pretty good core of experienced players. But, uh, yeah, finished towards the bottom of the ladder last year. McRae's come out and said he wants to play a bit more of an attacking style, which is... Uh, pretty different to their, you know, dour defend first style of the last couple of years, which was pretty hard to watch at times. But yep, uh certainly was. Yeah. New lease on life for Collingwood supporters here. Johnny, what do you reckon? It's definitely a breath of fresh air. I mean, I do like the appointment. I think that uh it's just a it's a sign of change, which is definitely what Collingwood needs. Uh some of the key ins, obviously Nick Dacos, we heard some great things about him. Patrick Lipinski from the dogs. They lose Levi Greenwood, Chris Main, Josh Thomas, Brandon Sire, so a little bit of experience. Along with McRae, they brought in Justin Lippich, Brendan Bolton. So it, it sounds like a credible staff there, which is, you know, always good to hear. Um, but weaknesses, probably not, again, not enough firepower. You got my check is not, you know, he does a great job at what he does, but he's not really like a, a clunking mark forward. Uh, great when he gets the ball in his hands, obviously. Mason Cox, not consistent enough. Um, but the question I have with Collingwood is is sort of about the leadership. Um, they have made a few group changes, which were, but it was very interesting. And, you know, I'm just, you know, Joe Public, so I don't really know, like, you know, what the right decisions are. But I'm, I'm surprised that Scott Pendlebury is retaining the captaincy this year. I mean, I've spoken to some Collingwood fans who think that that's definitely the right choice. And he is the kind of, way he plays I mean he can definitely be that leader on the field but I honestly thought it was a good time to, ch- to maybe change that and just start afresh take the pressure off Scott I thought Jeremy Howe would have been an excellent sort of bridging captain um, but you know like I said I'm just the you know average Joe in the street 
the, the big strength for them is their defense. They've definitely, I mean, you got guys like Maynard, Chris, Powell, Roughhead, Darcy Moore is obviously well. Honestly, I think Darcy Moore is their best player. Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think he, he would have to be at the moment. Uh, so I would be expecting a few growing pains as a fan this year. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to change that much and uh, you know improve at the same time as well. I yeah. did catch a few minutes of their practice game, and one thing that stood out to me was Grundy looked a lot in a lot better shape. So he was yes. his sort of slim line. I think that'll help him with his mobility around the ground. Yep. So he, when idea, when yeah. they were good, he was you know probably one of their biggest points of difference. How well he could uh, you know get around the ground and yeah. you know dominate yeah, other, other ruckmen in that way. So that could be a big plus for them. Uh, you know, Dugowie has had his issues in the off season, but what's he going to do? Um, yeah. Yeah, just how are they going to try and attack more? Obviously, whenever you attack more, you're opening yourself up more to score. So I think they had gone too far the other way. So I definitely agree with McRae's thing there of trying to actually bring a bit more attack into the game. But yeah, I think they just don't have enough yet to be really challenging for that the lower reaches of that eight. But uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting year for them to just, just to see some of the changes that have been made and, you know, some of these new guys coming in and can they actually have an impact? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, they could surprise us. They could, but uh, I, I agree. I just, I'm not sure if there's quite enough there to be pushing for any final spots or beyond. It'd be good for them to have Jeremy Howe back. He missed pretty much the whole year last year, didn't he? Yeah. That, I can't remember what the injury was, but uh, yeah, he's pretty important to them in that back half as well. He's, he's key. So let's keep going. Number nine on our list is the Adelaide Crows, another team in the lower reaches of the eight. How would we be feeling as a Crows supporter here, Johnny? Um, I'd say positive. Uh, maybe not, you know, doing cartwheels or anything, but overall positive. The big ins, Jordan Dawson from Sydney, massive get. Uh, big outs, Jake Kelly to Essendon. Tom Lynch uh, retired, I think, and Daniel Talia also. So. Bit of Definitely experience gone. Experience, yeah. Yeah, but um, Darren Burgess is the key get. I think that's definitely something that's going to work with them quite well. As we know, we've got mm, first-hand yeah, experience yeah. of what he can do with a footy list. Uh, and it, from all accounts, it sounds like the Crows boys are in very, very good shape at the moment. Um, but having said that, Jake Kelly, very good endurance runner, and he's gone. Um, so Didn't that seem like they were that yeah. keen on keeping him. I didn't, didn't no. quite understand that one. I, I couldn't either. No, I'm definitely a fan, but uh, yeah, look, that's that's their decision. Uh, their backline's an issue, I think, <laughs> especially <laughs> with Talia gone. Uh, it seems I'm not quite sure where they plan on playing Jordan Simpson, but uh, Jordan, Jordan Dawson. Dawson. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if he might start there or he might sort of wander up to midfield or whatever. But if he's there, it's a a bit of hopes pinned on him for that. But. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, wouldn't have a clue to be honest. How they're gonna how they're gonna play that one out? Uh, Tex Walker will he be back as good as he was for the first part of last season? Um, yeah. So I think there'll be good development. Uh, by no means would I think that be wooden spooners, but I would be thinking as long as they're tracking in the right direction, as long as they're upsetting some of the big teams. Um, yeah, you can't ask for a lot more and. 
Matty Nix does seem like a, a guy who's, you know, in control. He's got a plan and he's sticking with it. Overall, I'd be positive. So I guess Jordan Dawson was the big get in the offseason, right? Swans really didn't want to lose him, but uh, he wanted out for whatever reason. And, uh, mm. yeah, he's uh, pretty lethal by foot and uh, got good speed. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see how he slots into that Crows team. Yeah. All right, next team on our list is North Melbourne. So we're going with all the uh, teams that finished the bottom of the ladder last year in a row for some reason, but that's okay. So uh, North Melbourne, I guess one of the biggest things is uh, the amount of young talent they're uh, getting in the midfield uh, now with uh, that young group there. So how would you be feeling as a North supporter going into the season here, Johnny? I'd be pretty positive. Um, I think that they're definitely tracking in the right direction. Uh, key ins, obviously, Jason Horn Francis at pick one, who's very highly touted. Hugh Greenwood, a massive get from the Suns. I think that's going to help them a lot. Also, Callum Coleman Jones, I think, will help as a, I guess, a big body. Uh, they lose Sean Atley, Robbie Tarrant, and Dom Tyson. Uh, building some good forward depth, I think. The question is probably around Nick Larky. I think that's. He, it's one of those years where can he take that next level? Can he be a consistent yeah, yeah. source of the goals? So I guess you probably wouldn't be expecting that much more from North than what you'd seen last year, other than just continuing to develop, giving these guys more responsibility, more time, and hopefully the game style is looking a bit more in place. I suppose in the second half of the season, we started seeing that a fair bit more as well. I think that they're definitely they're going by the book. If there's a way to develop a, a list that's coming from a long, long way back, I do think that they're ticking the majority of the boxes at the moment. Uh, the progression of guys like Jai Simpkin, uh, Davis Uniac, Taron Thomas, I think there's a lot to like there. The fans will want to see a bit more consistency in their performances. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're tracking in the right direction. I think... I reckon something around the six or seven win mark would be a pass mark. I mean, yeah, that could be a little bit, a little bit lofty for some, but I, th- I think that's definitely gettable. I think they're, yeah, they're on the right, they're on the right train. Yeah, I guess they still have those few home games down in Tassie, and that's usually a pretty big advantage for them. So maybe they can snag a couple of those games when they're down in Tassie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Not sure much how, how much longer they're actually going to be able to do that, them and Hawthorne, though. I suppose even if Tazzy mm. does get granted this license, they're not going to be coming in for like another five years at least. So they'll probably be still a while away. They can keep playing down there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot happening in that area. Do you reckon they would actually, Tazzy would still want Hawks and Kangaroos to be playing down there when they have their own team, or that would just be the end of that? Because I think they've paid them a fair bit of money to go down there. Surely that would kind of yeah. be the end of that. Yeah, I find it a bit hard to see, especially if they're going to try and build their own brand. Um, it might be one of those things where for the first, I don't know, first few years, they might have a couple of games, but I, I, I would find it hard to see that. Yeah, yeah you probably got to transition away from that, really. 